and welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. We're just going to read a little bit of scripture, not much, and then we're going to talk about, um, I guess it's, it's kind of like John 2 and chapter 2 and chapter 3, but I've really just picked out one thing which I think really um, kind of paints the picture of what the book of John actually is all about. Um, so if you come with me to um, John, 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 John 3, let's go from verse 14. I didn't give you this first verse seek, but um, just go with it. It says, just as Moses, <clears throat> uh, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up. That everyone who believes, let's say believe, believe, may have eternal life in Him. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So the book of John can be summed up in that one word, believe. 91 times John writes the word believe in the book of John, in his letter, in what he's written. He says 91 times. John was well aware of the confusion and the question marks around Jesus's identity in the people that he's talking to and, that, and in, the, in the question marks around whether Jesus actually was who he said he was. He really was the Messiah, the Son of God. John was fully aware of the fact that there was a great confusion in the Israelites and in the people that were hearing Jesus speak. So when John wrote his book, he, he emphasises the word believe 91 times. 91 times he's saying believe. Another word that he uses, uh, I think it's 36 times, is the word life. So he uses these two words, but I want to focus on the word believe because I feel today that that's, it's, it's really the important word in these scriptures of what John is trying to get across and trying to achieve when he's, write, when he's written these, this letter or written these, this story about his interaction with Jesus and what he saw Jesus doing. So to believe, to believe, to believe, to believe. The voice of unbelief will say God is not. God cannot, God will not. So whatever's happening in our life right now, whatever we're going through, if we are saying God is not doing something or God cannot do something or God will not do something, then we've got to ask ourselves the question, are we actually in a place of faith believing that God is able? So there are certain, definitely are things that God will not do, right? He's not going to kill your neighbour for you, the one you don't like. He's not going to do that. If you pray a prayer and say, God, can you just like really take that guy out? He's so annoying. God's not going to do that. Why? Because that is not the will of God for that man's life. It's not God's will. And God may not do things in certain times, but when we find ourselves verbalising things that uh, absolutes about God in a way that turns us to unbelief, then we have a problem. Because when we say God is not, He's not doing this or He's not doing that, what we're doing is we're making an absolute about God. So God's not doing anything in that situation. How can we be sure that He isn't? How do we really know that God's not doing something because my understanding of God is that He does stuff more under the surface than on top of the surface. It's a little bit like an iceberg. So He can be doing a whole lot behind your back you're not seeing. And then when you do see something, it's really only the, the top tip of that iceberg that's happening. It's like when we say, well, God can't do that. And then we build a theology around what God isn't doing or what we think God isn't doing to be able to justify our position on why we said God cannot do that. And I've met a lot of people that have continually um, come for prayer or they've come forward for healing or they've, and, and because it's never taken place yet, 
they build a theology in the heart that it's never going to happen, which is completely untrue. Because God's doing more behind your back than he's doing in front of your face. Or we say, God will not do that. And of course, there are things that God won't do. But when we apply it to the promises of God, we start to understand that God is willing. So God came across a guy that needed healing. Jesus came across a guy that needed healing. And he said, if you are willing, you will heal me. And Jesus says, I am willing. So we see that Jesus is willing. The problem is, is we base all of what God is doing on what we can feel, what we can see, all our senses. We've got to, we've got to see God doing something for Him to be doing something. But the reality is, is God does more that we don't see than He does what we do see. So we can't say God will not or God is not or God cannot do that. Because the reality is, is yes, God can. God is able. God is doing something. It's the voice of unbelief that declares God isn't doing something when He is. We have to be careful that we don't only believe that God is able to do things when there's a physical, tangible representation of that thing happening. Because the reality is God can do more than we can even conceive or ask. God will do more in somebody's heart that I can't see. He'll do more in somebody's mind that's invisible to us from the outside. But yet he's still doing something. We need to tune into what God is doing. And not build a theology around what's not happening or what's not happening or what God isn't doing in our lives. We need to look to what he has done and what he is doing and start to build our belief system around that my God is able to do immeasurably more than I can, can even think or ask. Than what I can tangibly conceive in my brain and not try and lock God into what I think he should be doing and how I think he should do it. Because the reality is God doesn't work well in boxes. He often just breaks out of them. You know, he doesn't like boxes. And this was the problem with the Israelites is they had heard of a Messiah was going to be born. They heard the story. They knew. They knew the Scriptures. These guys knew the Scriptures. They were the Pharisees and Sadducees. They, they know the Scriptures better than we know them. Okay, after hearing what Dan said last week in, in our church at home and how much you know, time was spent on Scripture in the, in the lives of the Israelites to become a Pharisee, I was just like, holy moly, I don't even feel like I'm a believer right now. <laughs> because the amount, you know what I mean? They knew the Scriptures. They knew that there was a Messiah coming. But they expected Jesus to look, act and perform in a certain way. And when Jesus came and he didn't do what they thought he should do and they didn't, he didn't act how they thought he should act and he didn't perform what he should have been doing in their mind, they disregarded him. And they said, this is not God. He shouldn't be associating himself with God because this is not God. And that was their, basically their attitude. This is not the Messiah. And instantly they put him into a box and tried to push him aside. But Jesus wasn't going to stay there because Jesus doesn't do well with boxes, right? So we see this, this is where John is coming at that from an angle of continually hitting this challenging thing to challenge them to believe, to believe. So even in our lives today, we may have things where we feel like it's difficult to believe that God can actually do something in that situation. Like for you, John, with your leg, it's difficult to believe that God could perform a miracle, isn't it? It's not like, it doesn't always just come natural and, and every moment of every day I'm, I'm in faith. 
Sometimes you, you look down and you go, it hasn't happened yet. Now, that doesn't mean it's not going to happen, but this is the journey of faith. This is the journey of faith. Faith, it's like a roller coaster. I've met people that say, oh, well, you know, if you doubt, then, 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 then you're not in faith and, 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 and you, you know, you're a bad Christian because you doubted God. But what I've learned in my journey with faith is that doubt is always there. Doubt is always in the background trying to come to the foreground. It's always trying to come into the front of our mind. But it's always at the back of our mind trying to wedge its way in to rob us of the promise of God in our life. I have yet to meet anybody that has been able to live their life so strongly in faith that they, they, they don't have moments where it's possible to doubt that God is able to do it. I haven't met anybody and I've met a lot of people way better Christian than I am. But if they honestly talk to you, they will say there are moments where unbelief and doubt try to creep in to their belief system of Christ in their faith journey. And so this is the battle. The battle is in believing. To continually come back to that place when we're faced with doubt and say, no, I choose to believe Jesus. I choose today to believe Jesus. Some days we have to get up every day and say, no, I choose to believe Jesus's word. Sometimes it might be every hour. It can be every minute and sometimes. I know when I've gone through certain things in my life, there have been times where it's like every single minute of the day, I have to choose to trust God. I have to choose to believe Jesus. I have to choose to continually come back to that place and not go to that place of doubt to think, or well, maybe Jesus isn't going to do it for me. Maybe it's not going to happen for me. Maybe this is my lot in life. Maybe I just have to live with this situation and it's never going to change because the devil is always going to give us opportunity to doubt, his, to doubt God. He's always going to try and dredge it up, try and make something happen, try and challenge us in some way that we would start to question whether Jesus really is going to do what he has promised to do. That is the devil's goal, to rob us of our faith and to get us into a place of unbelief. And there will be ample temptation in our life to fall into that space of unbelief. We've got to understand that it's very much like an ocean, our faith journey. It comes in and it comes out. And sometimes we're in great faith. And who's ever been in that position where you're in faith today? And everything's possible. Every single thing's possible. Even the kids, mum, clean their room today in Jesus' name. Now that was nine o'clock in the morning. This is the day the Lord has made. It's going to be the day that the move of God happens in this home. Nine o'clock in the morning, 10 past nine. What the heck happened, Lord? <laughs> Two past nine. <laughs> and that's because you stopped to get a drink on the way. Because that's what it's like. And we have to be real about this. Like, we have to be real about faith. Faith can be a battle. And the battle is always to continue to believe. In Matthew uh, 21, 22, it says... If you, let me go there. Is it up there? It is. It means I don't have to turn there. It says, if you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. The pivotal word there is if. If you fall over, <laughs> we will laugh at you. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. We would pray for you, Josh. <laughs> Funny story, we're on the, uh, the bus, or well, I thought it was funny, on the bus coming back from the airport to the car in Blue Emu car park. And we're on the bus, there's a lot of people on there and this guy standing against one of the doors, you know how the doors open on the buses. and So he's standing there and, this, and the bus stops 
and the door opens, he's getting wedged in between the door. And we're like, look out, mate, it's, it's got you, you know, like, and he's like, gets out, and he goes, oh. I said, oh, you got it. Yeah, it's just checking to see that you're still alive, you know, like that's going to happen and you'll be all right. Anyway, he goes, oh, oh, I'll know next time. So 10 minutes later, he's standing in the same spot. The door opens and it squishes him again. I said, oh, you didn't learn your lesson, did you? <laughs> anyway, way off topic. What's that got to do with anything? If he didn't, he didn't have faith to stop the door from opening, he had unbelief. We can go with that. I can make a sermon out of anything, Matilda. If you believe. And the reality of that statement is that Matthew writes is, is the, the, the alternative of that is to not believe. And the reason he says, if you believe, is because believing and faith is a choice. We choose to believe at any one time we choose to go to faith instead of unbelief. We choose to go to faith instead of fear. We choose to pursue this thing called faith and the promise of God, even though there's every reason in the world not to. And the reality is with a lot that God does in our life with, when we're in faith, there's a, there's a whole lot more reasons on why God could not do it. And we can think of those so easily. It's like we're pre defaulted, wired to think about the impossibilities all the time, the negative all the time. But we have to make a conscious decision to say, no, I believe. No, I believe. I believe God is able. I believe God can. This was the challenge John was giving the Israelites of that day. This was the challenge he was giving to the people that he was writing to, to say, I know you have a whole lot of reasons why you, you shouldn't believe. But look at this. Why not believe this? This story of, of sacrifice, this story of the cross, this story of Jesus' life and what he did. You know, I know as a Pharisee or a Sadducee, you, you have every reason not to. But basically he's saying, but what if you're wrong? What if he is who he says he is? What if you miss the boat because you chose to go down that pathway instead of down the faith pathway? So he challenges them in that idea 91 times, 91 times he writes the word believe or believed or believes, challenging them in that battle to believe. So in Romans, Romans 4, I think it'll come on the screen there. We get this story about Abraham. And it says in verse 18, it says, against all hope. What's that mean? It means there was basically nothing to hope for. No chance. Like this doesn't happen. Like the plumbing Abraham doesn't work no more. You're too old. Sarah's too old. Her womb's closed. The pipes are blocked. You know what I mean? Like, it's like the impossibility of this situation and this scenario in Abraham and Sarah's life was profound. As in, this never happens. Against all hope. When there was no hope, Abraham, in hope, believed and so became the father of many nations. Abraham in hope. So when there was no reason or no ability for hope, Abraham in hope. So he didn't draw his hope from the scenario. He didn't draw his hope from what was going on. He drew his hope from somewhere else, right? It came from somewhere else. Where did that hope come from? Well, it came from God. It's the only answer to that question. There's no other answer. He didn't dig up hope in his, in his conversation with his wife because she was in a hopeless situation as well. So he had to draw that hope from somewhere. So it says he believed. He made a decision to believe that God was able to do what he had promised to do. He was faced with a choice 
Will I believe the facts about my life? The facts told him, the doctor's report told him, it's impossible. She will never have a baby. You are too old. Why would you want a baby when you're this old anyway? You know, like, I know you might be desperate for a Mother's Day, Sarah, but seriously, the amount of years you're going to put in here, rethink the thought. The doctor's report said it's impossible. But Abraham had something greater to believe in. He chose not to believe in facts. He chose to believe in the truth about his situation, which the, the truth was. God had the power to do what he promised to do. It says that he did not. So let's read the scripture. It says, against all hope, Abraham in hope believed and became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. He faced reality. He didn't deny reality. Didn't put his head in the sand and say it's not happening. He didn't have ailments in his body and didn't recognise that there was ailments in his body. It was there. Yet, he faced the facts. And uh, so where, he did not weaken his face. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. And I love this, I love this part. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promises of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had the power to do what he had promised to do. Yet he did not waver through unbelief. Waver, linger. It doesn't say that unbelief wasn't there, that, 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 that doubt wasn't around him to question whether God actually could do this. It doesn't say that maybe the thought didn't come into his mind that, that, that this might not happen because all the facts said he's too old. He, you know, Sarah's womb's no longer functioning. Nothing, this can't happen. You're 100 years old, Abraham. You know, you're way too old to have children. Even physically, the body at that age would maybe wouldn't be able to handle birthing a child. Sarah, it sounded impossible. It says, yet he did not waver through unbelief. He did not waver through unbelief, which means he chose faith. He chose truth. He chose God's promise. And he didn't allow himself to live in the place of unbelief. He didn't allow himself to put his tent up in the valley of unbelief. He chose to trust and believe God, despite all the facts on why it couldn't happen. And that is the journey of faith. Faith is a battle. The battle is in believing. To continually come back to that place when we have those doubts, is God going to do this? Can he do this? And we go, like Bob the Builder, yes, he can. <laughs> yes, he can. Oh, I love Bob the Builder. I don't get to watch it anymore because I don't have young enough kids. It's a bit weird being a 43-year-old dad that sits down and watch Bob the Builder all by himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just told everybody. <laughs> <laughs> So I wonder, I wonder, I wonder, I wonder. What right now in your life are you battling to believe? Because Christian faith is not about being this perfect person that always, always is in faith. That, that, that like, I never doubt. Liars. We do. We do doubt. And it's an acknowledgement of truth that that does happen. But it's not whether you doubt or not. It's what you do with that doubt and where you allow that doubt to take you is on whether you're going to go to that place where you're trusting God or not. 
Doubt, we will always have temptation and opportunity to doubt God. We always will. Because that's just how it is. One, even if you just think about it really practically, what, what, what we're being asked to do here by John is to believe in a dead guy that died on a cross. He's not with us, like physically I'm talking about. He's, he, he's gone to heaven, right? So John's saying, believe in what you cannot see. His book was written after the fact. He didn't write it as Jesus was doing these things. His book was written after Jesus had died on the cross, gone to heaven, and then where to take John's word and believe. So I may not have ever even met Jesus. The possibility is this, this is going to people that had heard about Jesus but actually never seen him physically. I'm sure there are many that did, but there are those that didn't. And John is asking those people, believe. Will you dare to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he can do what he says he can do? Would you believe that? And that's a, practically what we're, what we're being asked to do right now is to believe that God is able in that situation. No matter what the doctors have said, God is able. God is willing. How long will it take? Well, how long is a piece of string? It can take as long as it's going to take what do you mean? If I come and get prayer or I pray for God to heal me or do something and it doesn't happen, do you mean it could happen? Yes. But it didn't happen. Okay, it didn't happen, but it can happen. And, it, and God promises it will happen. So faith lives between the point of the promise given and the point of the promise being received. And we don't have a timeline and for a lot of us, what we need to do is drop the timeline and stay in faith for the breakthrough and go, you know what, God? Your time is good enough. So, so I'm not going to turn over the egg timer today. I'm just going to let that sit. And, and you know what? I'm going to trust even when there's no reason to trust. I'm going to choose to believe even when everything is telling me not to, even when the world is shouting at me that it's impossible, you will not find the words in my mouth. God cannot, God will not, and God is not. Because the words coming out of my mouth will be God can, God is willing, and God is able. And I will drop the timeline and I'll trust His Word that at the right time, it will come to pass. You know, the Bible says that Jesus come just at the right time. When was that time? Well, nobody knew until he come. When's your breakthrough? Well, nobody knows until it happens. For some of us, you're going to see it quicker than others. For others, you may have to pray for years. Does it, if God has not answered it, maybe you've been praying for years. And maybe you've taken the fact that God hasn't answered it yet as a God is not going to do this for me. Maybe. My, my understanding of God is when he's not going to do something, he says no. You know in your heart it's a no. And you know I can stop believing for that now because it's a dead no. Often I don't, I, my experience, God has never not done something and left it is that how I want to say it? I've never had something that's been left in limbo if God doesn't want to do it or if it's not of God or if it's not of the will of God for my life. It's a flat no. Other times, it can be a wait. And most of us are living in the wait zone. And the problem is the longer we wait, the more, we let it, the more that amber light starts to look like the, the, the red light. Right? It was orange, but it's kind of, we kind of, you know, the time we start to go, well, orange is kind of the new red. <laughs> right? Orange is kind of the new red now. So it must be a no. But God didn't say no. He might have just said, wait. 
He might have said, stay in faith. Just keep praying. Well, how long is it going to take before my child comes to the Lord? Well, who, who knows how long it will take? But just keep praying. Just keep asking. Just keep agreeing. Just keep choosing faith, even when they make the most impossible, stupid decisions. When they do things that are so against God, just keep believing. I had a brother like that. Just kept moving away from God. Kept doing all the wrong things, drinking, partying, in the army, doing all that kind of stuff. Every time I'd go up to see him, I'd take him to church because he'd come. He wouldn't want to, you know, when I'm there, I'd say, I'm going to church. You want to come? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll come to church. Gave his life to God in youth, our youth ministry many, many years ago when Em and I were youth pastors. Went in the army, fell away from God, did all the wrong things. Year after year, I'd go, take him to church, believing. Mum would be believing. This time's the time. This time. You know, for, it must have been three or four years I would go to him and, and I'd take him to church and, and he'd, he'd have a moment where he felt sorry for himself and want God again. That's how it kind of worked. But the pull of the world was so strong in him. And I thought, you know what? God's going to transform his life one time when I'm up there, when I drag him to church. You know what happened? God transformed his life when I was in Sydney and he rings me. And he says, I've gone to church with my girlfriend and we've both come to Jesus. She'd never stepped foot in a church before. And he's now the campus pastor of our Townsville campus. Isn't that amazing? Just unbelievable. It had nothing to do with me as in, it wasn't me. I thought it was me taking him to church but God just turned up on his doorstep one day and, and he was having a, a crisis in his life and his girlfriend says to him, well, what is it that you need? And he goes, I need to go to church. So they turn up to church and someone's preaching. He gives his life. Then she decides, well, I'll come forward for that as well. I'm like, man, all the hard work, Lord. <laughs> and none of the credit. God knows if I got the credit, I'd have a big head. But it's got nothing to do with us, eh? we just got to keep believing. Keep believing. I remember watching him in the worst of circumstances, talking to him on the phone and this has happened and that's happened and all of it was away from God. Terrible stuff that happened. Stuff he saw in the military, all that kind of stuff, you know. So it's not impossible. That's what I'm trying to say. And it really doesn't have about anything to do with us other than we just keep coming back to God believing. God, I believe you can do it. I believe you can heal that person or me or I believe you can save that child. I believe you can draw them back into the house of God. I believe you can restore that marriage. I believe you can do all things. All things. Because I choose faith over impossibility. Can I have the musicians come? I choose faith. You know, there's a story in Mark, chapter 9, about a young boy that is demon-possessed. And the father comes to the, uh, the disciples with his son and says, you know, like, can you deliver him? And the disciples try, but it doesn't work. So then the father finds his way to Jesus. He said, I asked your disciples to do this, and, but nothing happened. And he says, but if you can, if you can, will you heal him? And Jesus says, if I can, he says, all things are possible for him who believes. There was a baff Jesus was baffled by the statement, if I can, do you know who I am? Do you know who you're talking to? But often I find that we can be very much just like that. 
And instead of saying, God, you can do this in this situation, we say, God, is it possible for you to do this? Or um, are you, are you kind of, do you have the power? And we're question, kind of questioning him. Like maybe we're questioning him because we kind of want to have an out just in case it doesn't happen. You know, I remember I've prayed for many people in, and, and I've been in, in the Philippines once. I remember praying for this girl in the Philippines. I don't know if I've ever shared this story before. She had had a car accident six weeks before I got to the conference. Um, and so she was at the conference. She had a brace on her neck. She had, she was like, couldn't walk properly, had crutches. And I remember I was preaching in this conference and there were so many people in the room. And, uh, and I remember God just saying, just speaking to me, just like an internal kind of thing that said, there's a girl in the room, she's in a neck brace and she can't walk properly. She's in constant pain. And I want you to call her forward and pray for her. And I'm just like, oh, this is crazy. Like, because there, was, there, was, there probably was about 800 people in the room. So it wasn't like I could just kind of pick someone out and go, oh, I'll pray for her. I had no idea who was in that room. And, and I remember just saying, listen, right in the middle of my mess, like preaching, I stopped and I said, listen, there's a girl here today. She's been in a severe accident. You've got neck damage. You are in severe pain. And I feel like God wants to heal you if you would be so bold to come forward. And so she, with the help of someone, is coming up weeping, weeping, because she's just in so, you could see the agony in her face. And, and I'm just, as she's coming up, I'm looking at, physically looking at her, going, and I'm like, God, if you don't do something right in this moment, if, if I pray for her and something doesn't happen, one, I'm going to be a fraud. Like, but the reality was, it has nothing to do with me. But in those moments, you start, you can easily go, well, what about my reputation, Lord? As a pastor, you know, what about me? I'm standing in front of all these people, half of, most of them I didn't know. And, you know, I don't want to look like a fool. But then I started to realise, well, if I have to look like a fool for Jesus then that's okay. If I pray for this girl and nothing happens, it has nothing to do with me. Honestly, I'm just the, the vessel God is choosing in the moment. And it could have just as easily have been anybody else. There's nothing special about me. And we can say the same about ourselves. We're no different than anyone else. God can work through any one of us at any one moment to pray for someone, to believe for someone, to do something for Him. I just happened to be in the right moment at the right time and He chose to say, Dave, I want you to pray for this girl. I remember her coming forward and, and I just said, look, I feel like God wants to pray for you. I feel like He wants to heal you. And she, I said, would you let me pray for you? And she said, yes. And so I just laid my hand on her, on her shoulder. I had to be careful because she was in a lot of pain. She had a neck brace on. It was really not great. And so I laid my hand on her and I just said, Jesus, heal her. Mend the bones, mend the damage, the ligaments, the whatever it is, Lord, that's causing the pain. I pray now that you would release her from this. And literally the prayer was probably about that long. I, I didn't feel anything. I, it wasn't like there was some miraculous trans electrical current going through my arm or whatever. I don't know. Um, and I just stepped back and I said to her, How's it feeling? She goes, oh, still a little bit sore. I said, well, why don't you do something to see whether God's done something? You know, if it, if it hasn't happened, as soon as you move, you're going to know, right? And so she, she's like, okay. And I said, well, just walk with me. And she started to walk with me. And all of a sudden she's, she's moving. And then she started weeping again. And I'm like, oh, is there pain? Just stop, don't, don't keep going. You know, I don't want to do any damage because I'd heard about a guy that had prayed for someone time. <laughs> terrible, terrible thing. And he's praying for this guy in the wheelchair to, to walk again. And so he drags him out of the wheelchair and he's dragging him along the floor, but the guy never got healed. Like, so I'm like, no, 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 no. We're not going to be silly like that. You know, like we're going to put it into God's hands. And so I said, well, just, just walk with me. And she started crying. and going, look, just stop. Are you in pain? She says, she goes, No. 
I say, well, what do you mean you're not in pain? She goes, well, she goes, I can, I can move. And, and she starts bending down. She goes, you don't understand. She goes, I was unable to touch the ground. I was unable to bend over without severe pain. She goes, and, and by the, and, and so she, she like walks off the stage and she's got this big grin on her face. And then at the end of the service, after everything had finished at, you know, at the end of the, uh, that moment, I went back to my message. I finished preaching and um, she comes up to me at the end of the day, big smile on her face, still got a neck brace on. She goes, oh, I don't think I need this. And I said to her, I said, look, go to the doctor. Go and get checked out. Let the doctor tell you you don't need it, right? Because it's a great witness to a doctor that you only just saw like two weeks ago saying, I'm in so much pain that uh, I can't move properly. And then you come back two weeks later and say, I can move. I don't think I need this on my neck anymore. And, and so she got completely healed. I was blown away. But what I, what are, I don't know. I shouldn't know why I told you that whole story other than even when you doubt yourself, like when I pray for her, I doubt it. I, I wasn't like in this profound faith moment. I'm kind of like, oh man, this, is, this could be really bad. This could look, this could look bad. This could, she could get worse if I do something that puts her in danger or, you know, because it's, it's not like she's just faking it, you know. And, uh, but I just chose to believe, okay, God, you're able. If you've asked me to call this person out and you've asked, she's, she's willingly come forward in faith, then it's not about me. It's not about any power that I have. It's everything to do with the fact that God has a promise for her life. And I stand in agreement with her for her healing. And the same goes for us. No matter where you're at today, no matter what you're facing, God is able to do it. And it's not really got anything to do with my faith, but it's got everything to do with Him. The Bible tells us that God gives us the portion of faith. And all we must do is to, is to see God move, is to activate that faith and continue to activate that faith and continue to act the faith. He says, faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. It's only a little bit of faith. But activate, even the smallest amount of faith that's activated can see God move in our lives. So it's not impossible. Whatever it is you're facing, it's not impossible. It's possible. It's possible. So what is it you're believing for? What is it you're battling right now? Let's just close your eyes. What is it you're battling right now? And you're saying, I, I need God to move. Maybe you've been saying, God, give me more faith. Give me faith for this situation. Can I say to you, that's the wrong prayer to pray? God has already given you the faith that you need. If you came, if you have confessed Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, then He has deposited faith in you to be able to make that confession, which means you have the faith you already need. You don't need to, to, to be given new faith. You've got the faith. It's just about activating it. It's just about going, you know what? Every time we say to God, I choose to believe, what we're doing is we're switching the switch of faith on, on the inside. It's like a light switch. Click, I choose to believe. And then sometimes that light switch is on a timer and it kind of clicks out. And we go, oh no. Now I'm not believing, I must be a bad Christian. No, 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 it's just another opportunity to say, God, I choose to believe. Click, and the light goes on again. And we just keep clicking that light off. And if it times out, we click it on again and we click it on again. Sometimes we choose to not believe and so we click it off. But all you gotta do again is just click it on again because that's how faith works. So what is it? Because I feel like God wants to do something in your world right now. He wants to move in your life. Actually, I've never been in a church meeting where I haven't had that feeling like God wants to do something in the life of the people that are in the room. That's why church has never been some boring um, experience for me. 
Because every time I walk into a church, it doesn't matter what church it is, every time I walk in, I just go, God wants me here because I wouldn't be here if He didn't. And He wants to do something today because He doesn't want to, He's not going to come into a church and waste His time by not doing something. He's always doing something. God is always moving. He's always changing things. He's transforming. Where is it you need to be transformed? What is it you're facing right now? And you're saying, but I want breakthrough. I want to see God do His miracle in my life. I want to see that situation change. Where is the place right now where the battle is raging and you've got to choose to believe God? What is it? Because that's where God wants to meet you. In that place. That's where He wants to meet you. Thank you, Jesus. So if you can identify that place, why don't you stand up today in your seat? Just stand up. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, like that girl in the Philippines, this is where I learned that that, that God will touch us in our seats, but He transforms lives on an altar. So many people get an impartation from God from just sitting in a service. But there's something about activating the faith and taking a step towards God, like physically, that makes a great difference. So I'm going to open the altar up to you. And if you would like to take that step, then come forward. Listen, even stepping up and standing up in your seat, in your position is a step of faith. The, the acknowledgement and the response to God to say, that's me, I'm standing up, is a massive move toward God. But one step of faith leads to another step of faith, leads to another step of faith. And what happens is your faith becomes unshakable. Thank you, Jesus. Just lift your hands to God. Lift your hands to God. This is more to do with you and Him than it is to do with me. It's not about me coming and waving some magic wand, abracadabra, bing, there it is. Present your request to God. Or even faith as small as a mustard seed can move a mountain. What is it you so desire for Him to do? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Present it to Him. Speak to Him. Say, Lord, this is it. This is what I need. This is what I want to see you move in. This is, this is what I am believing for. This is the battle, Lord. Lord, some days I doubt, other days I'm in faith. But Father, forgive me for the doubt, but help me with my unbelief, Lord. That was the, what the man said to Jesus when his son was brought to him. When that man brought his son to Jesus saying, your disciples can't do what I believe you can do. But, and, 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 and he comes and he goes, you know, Jesus said, if you believe, all things are possible for him who believes. And he says, Lord, I do believe, but help me with my unbelief. And it's like an oxymoron. It's like, how can unbelief and belief live in the same person? But here we are. That is the reality that sometimes it wants to creep in. Unbelief, doubt wants to creep in and push faith out. But we have a choice where we can choose faith and push doubt out. And maybe just today, that's what God's saying. Will you choose faith and push out the doubt, the unbelief and say no to the impossibility and say yes to the, imp the possible God? What I love about the word impossible is if you just take the I am and you, put the, you separate them, it says I'm possible. You just got to put a, you just got to sever that word, and all of a sudden the great I am comes into the equation. 
So Father, we pray right now over every person that's standing. Father, whatever it is, whatever they're believing for, Lord, we stand in agreement right now in Jesus' Name and we say it's yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray where there has been doubt, let faith arise. Where there has been uh, a challenge to faith, Father God, I pray for Your strength. I pray for Your conviction. I pray for Your power to be released in Jesus' Name. Lord, that today is a standing, it's a, it's a stake in the ground to see You do what only You can do, which is bring Your promise to pass in the life of each and every person that is standing here today believing for You to do what only You can do. So Father, we say yes. We choose to believe. Tell God you believe. Say, Lord, I choose to believe. I choose to believe You. I choose to trust You. I choose to go to faith. I choose to believe that all things are possible for You. That You can do immeasurably more than I can think or even ask. Thank You, Jesus. Thank You, Jesus. How about you start to thank Him? Thank Him right now. If it's clapping, whatever it may be, why don't you thank Him right now? Thank You, Jesus. Father, we thank You. We thank You for the breakthrough. We thank You for the miracle. We thank You for You moving in our lives. We thank You for Your promise. We thank You that You are actively working even when we can't see it, that You are moving in our lives even when we're unaware. We thank You, Lord, that You're already orchestrating. You're already positioning. You're already moulding. You're already equipping. You're already doing things that we haven't even seen yet. But Lord, You are moving powerfully in Jesus' Name. Powerfully in Jesus' Come on, let's give Him a hand this afternoon. Praise You, God. Praise You, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.